see more innovation in packaging and processing at Pack Expo International than anywhere else in the world. It's the show that defines where the industry is headed, with the solutions that define where your business can go. Discover cutting-edge packaging technology, processing equipment, new materials, sustainable solutions, supply chain resources, and much, much more. You'll walk away with innovative solutions to challenges big and small. Register at PackExpoInternational.com. You're listening to Unpacked with PMMI, where we share the latest packaging and processing industry insights, research, and innovations to help you advance your business. Hi, I'm Sean Riley, and welcome to our first foray into Unpacked with Automation World. Here I speak with the great David Greenfield, Director of Content at Automation World. You'll never guess what we talk about first, ladies and gentlemen. That's right, automation. Dave is going to give us the goods on the latest technology trends around automation and robotics. Was there a huge uptick in robotic sales in response to COVID and the need for social distancing in production facilities? Where can we expect to see automation employed in packaging and processing going forward or in a post-pandemic world? Let's sit back and hear what David has to say. Our guest, David Greenfield, is not only the director of content of Automation World, but he also hosts the hugely successful podcast, Automation World, Get Your Questions Answered. We're excited to turn the tables and pick his brain a bit about all things around robotics and automation. Welcome to the podcast, David. Hey, thanks, Sean. Yeah, it's fun to be here on the, on the other side of the mic. So we'll I'll get my turn in the barrel here, as they say. <laughs> We'll try to be as gentle as possible, but you are going to be the expert here. So I am just steering this ship for a little bit. Um, so a lot of uh, industry experts were expecting this big uptake in robotic sales. You're our, our automation guy, so it's going to be a lot of automation talk. And, and they were expecting a big uptick in robotic sales in response to COVID, um, whether it's for the need of social distancing in production facilities or to support production as more people, you know, are out of work due to illness. I guess now that we're we're a year into it, we just kind of passed that unfortunate milestone, and we're we're seeing a bit of light at the end of the tunnel as vaccines are starting to pick up. Um, it's the weather's getting nicer; people can get outside, things like that. What's the truth? Were robots adopted at a higher pace over the past year? Um, did it stay the same? Like, what did you see from your end? Well, you know, it's it's a bit of a mixed bag, like most things about automation. There's uh, no one answer, but you know, we we all heard a lot about you know how COVID, you know, as you mentioned, was going to boost robot sales and. From what we heard, you know, that sounded like a reasonable assumption, you know, from everything we heard and, and the data around that. And while there was certainly, you know, a lot of robotic technology adoption going on in response to the pandemic, we were surprised to learn in a survey that we conducted of Automation World readers, which, as you know, reaches across multiple industry verticals. We found that about 76% of respondents said the pandemic did not drive any purchases of new robots within their facilities. And of those who did bring in robots in response to the pandemic, 80% of those purchased five or less. So it seems like uh, robot buying that did go on during the pandemic was more for targeted applications than any kind of widespread robot implementations. And 
when it comes to adopting robots for social distancing purposes specifically, the overall response of those surveyed was actually kind of weak in this area. Only about 16% of respondents uh, indicated that social distancing was a factor that drove their decision to purchase new robots. More prominent reasons for robot purchases were more the typical reasons like reducing labor costs. That, that was noted by 62% of respondents. Increasing capacity, 54% of respondents cited that. And navigating the lack of available workers for industry, uh, 38% of respondents mentioned that. But I should mention here on a, a related note that of those who did purchase robots in response to COVID-19, 45% of those indicated that they purchased collaborative robots or, or cobots with the remaining 55% opting for industrial traditional robots, if you will. And, you know, cobots have been held up, you know, this past year as the best robotic solution for social distancing, you know, due to their ability to flexibly work alongside humans when attempting to space out a line or a work cell. So their lower than expected adoption rates among those responding to the pandemic with the purchase of robots, it kind of seems to further highlight that concerns about labor cost and availability, quality, and throughput were greater concerns for manufacturers this past year than so specific social distancing concerns. But one industry vertical that did see a significant uptick in robot investment in 2020 was uh, medical equipment and device manufacturers. I know that's outside the realm a bit of PMMI, but you know they of course face soaring demand in the need for personal protective equipment. And even then, uh, an Epson, a representative from Epson Robots we talked to said that even in this industry, robots were still largely bought this past year as a way to boost throughput rather than using robots to space out production for social distancing purposes. And you'd almost think in an industry like that, that would be a bigger reason. And it uh, wasn't even so much for them. Do you think... That's a case of, and this is more, you know, your opinion, I guess. Is it is it a case where maybe people weren't expecting it to be this long, um, whether or not it's the pandemic or the, the changes in, in manufacturing? Can you point to a specific reason why they didn't come in for social distancing type purposes? Was it just a case of these were already robots that people were thinking of buying ahead of time? It, it makes sense, but it doesn't sort of line up with what everybody was quote unquote, you know, expecting. Yeah. And I think, you know, and one thing, I mean, we don't know for sure what specific reasons are because I mean, they'll vary from industry to industry and plant to plant. But I mean, as we know, as we heard in some of the cases, you know, through the news the past year and some plants, they didn't really do much social distancing, right. even though they knew they should. So, right. um, you know, that's, that's certainly a factor in that. And I think another factor in that is just uncertainty about where things were headed during this past year. It was really hard to tell if the, this was lighted at the end of the tunnel or an oncoming train, you know, <laughs> business-wide right. through much of the past year. So I think uh, a couple of those two things probably factored in the uncertainty and in some cases, just that that was not surprisingly not high up uh, on the deciding factors for a lot of manufacturers. Yeah. And I, and I didn't want to frame it that way. I was kind of thinking that it kind of gives that little bit of impression that you know, the, the safety of the worker wasn't necessarily driving the, you know, wasn't the impetus for getting these robotics, you know, even though everybody knew that this was an issue, but it wasn't the priority that, yay, we need to, to space everybody out. So we'll move on to uh, 
more technical manufacturing things rather than try to deal with social issues right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause it's like, we're inferring that cause they didn't say why they didn't. They just said that that was not an issue for them. So we have to kind of infer from there. <laughs> so, yeah. So let's say going forward, you know, now it's, we kind of know, and, and this is where we are and things have changed and new normal is the word, but you know, things have, have moved to a different place in terms of how manufacturers and operations work. So what are the ex- expectations um, around robotics use in production operations that you're, you're going to see kind of ramping up now that we are slowly but surely coming out of this? Well, all the robotic suppliers that I've spoken with, they still remain very bullish on the future for their technologies. You know, this past year may have represented a, a slowdown as it did for most businesses, but it, it has not changed their outlook. And that's especially true as news around the COVID vaccine rollout keeps getting better and better. So these suppliers are expecting that demand will return in industry where some nervousness about the overall business outlook had slowed robotic adoption. But one potential caveat to suppliers' high expectations is uh, that our survey results were a bit more modest uh, than you know what I've been hearing in general. Um, and the survey results showed that slightly less than a quarter of respondents were reporting that they plan to add robots in the next year. Now, of those respondents, 56% plan to purchase cobots and 43% plan to purchase industrial robots, which is interesting since these numbers indicate something of a reversal from what we saw in 2020 with industrial robots selling at a faster pace than cobots. And with that said, I should point out that some suppliers we spoke with suggest that the lower expectations we're seeing kind of lined up now for 2021 in our survey might be a bit misleading. And one of the reasons they gave for that is uh, one supplier noted that installations of traditional fixed industrial robot systems sometimes take as long as nine to 15 months. So that can mean that many respondents who indicated they don't plan to add more robots this year in terms of buying may already have big projects underway that are going to take them through this year. So that was something to consider as well. Yeah. I wonder if that also goes to our previous discussion where if these things were kind of already in motion to happen in 2021 and this stuff all started happening in 2020, maybe people had already sort of started down this path for whatever reason. And that's why they weren't adding them at a quicker pace, as you just indicated. So that kind of, that kind of makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Outside of, of, you know, the robotic arms for pick in place or end of the, uh, the packaging or processing line palletizing operations, you've kind of touched a little bit on, on cobots and they are the, the new big thing that everybody seems to talk about when talking about robots, but are there other robotic technologies that are kind of getting ready now for prime time now that could help CPG production operations? Uh, Absolutely. You know, and and one area of robot technology that I think kind of gets overlooked when talking about robots in general, and those are autonomous mobile robots. And I guess since these robots are you know, essentially moving platforms, you know, they don't, they don't generate the same level of interest as high speed pick and place robots or the highly dexterous six axis robots that we, you know, all see at, uh, you know, uh, industry events, but these automated mobile robots can really deliver big benefits to production, uh, operations as well as warehousing and shipping applications, you know, not only for their ability to carry heavy loads and navigate safely throughout a facility, but also, 
to help address social distancing concerns where that is an issue. You know, uh, as we saw from the respondents, that was an issue for a, a decent number of them, just not as high as we thought. But uh, these robots, you know, these autonomous mobile robots, they automatically calculate the best route for material transportation as they navigate safely around people and obstacles without requiring the magnetic floor tapes and other guides that previous versions, the automated guided vehicles uh, that were not autonomous required. And these core capabilities make these types of robots, you know, a really effective tool for companies looking to improve flexibility, maximize floor layout options. And a good example of this is, is one that, you know, was highlighted really prominently at PAC Expo Connects this year, and that's the HD 1500 uh, from Omron. And as you can infer from his name, it can carry up to 1500 kilograms, which is about 3,300 pounds. So, you know, that's some... Uh, Definitely in the packaging and palletizing uh, sweet spot for being able to carry uh, that level of uh, payload. Absolutely. So, so we're basically, if I'm picturing this correctly, like we're talking about a, a robot moving on its own that's going to take a load that big, like you said, you know, mm -hmm. three thousand pounds plus, and move it wherever it needs to be in the plant, around people, other objects, things like that. Yeah, it's outfitted with sens sensors, uh, lidar, you know, a uh, yeah, type of a, a, a radar, essentially, um, multiple sensors all around the front bank. So it, you know, as it moves around, I mean. As people walk in its path, I mean, you've probably seen some of these videos of this. They slow and or stop mm -hmm. as necessary. They can move around poles. So it's whether the obstacles are fixed or moving, it really doesn't matter with these. You just basically tell it where to go and it figures out the best way to go there, uh, you know, based on uh, the internal mapping uh, technology in it of how it knows to navigate the facility. So it's uh, it's very interesting. Yeah, it's really cool. I could see you know, eliminating a, a couple forklifts that have to move that might be way less, way less safe. That's not the way to say it. That is more unsafe. You know, a guy driving a forklift around with honking the horn around the corner and stuff like that versus his sensors, which I guess like you explained saying it was an autonomous vehicle. It's kind of like the, you know, the cars without the, the people driving them where they have the setup for you to just sit back and it just takes you where you need to go. And that I can see that being an application that would absolutely work in, in CPG plants at, at the very least at the end of the line with palletizing and things like that. So that is, that's really interesting. And carrying materials to the different work cells. I saw this, it, it wasn't at a, a CPG plant. Uh, it was a, at Valpac in uh, Florida, where they print the pack, you know, the all the coupons you get in the mail. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. it's, it's a massive, massive printing operation. And every work cell had people in it, you know, manning, you know, operating the machines and, you know, reviewing production and doing that. But in between the work cells, about the only people walking through were the people in the tour group that I was in that was, that was being shown this facility. The workers pretty much stay at their work cell locations and, you know, you know, observe and interact with the machinery. They're not running back and forth between work cells. It was there was all of these uh, autonomous mobile robots moving materials to the workers where needed, moving, you know, finished goods to shipping, what have you. Uh, but yeah, people weren't running around the facilities, but the uh, mobile robots certainly were. That's uh, that's cool. And, and, and like you kind of touched on, it, but it doesn't have, I remember the previous kind of iteration of this had to have, you know, tracks on the ground for them to run along almost, you know, like little trains or things like that or guide magnetic guides like you said but these being more free-flowing with the with the sensors almost like a Roomba 
yeah. running through the, uh, that's, that's really cool. Exactly. Okay. Well, well, as you know, the director of content at, at automation world, you're, you're looking at trends across a, a whole bunch of industries. And, you know, for people that are, that are listening, that, that covers things from huge oil operations and things like that, you know, down to, you know, our, our packaging and processing type plants. So for the CPG market, what would you say are the biggest trends that we should be paying, you know, most attention to today? I would advise watching two things. And and one of those is end of arm tooling trends. And the other is the increasing incorporation of vision technologies into collaborative robots. And I guess we'll start off, you know, talking about the end of arm tooling. You know, vendors have made big leaps in increasing the agility and intelligence at the end of the robot arm here over the past several years. And this is particularly crucial in applications such as food and beverage, where, you know, things like tomatoes or baked goods, you know, can't be grabbed with force. And, you know, the human hand has been the preferred method for handling these kinds of items because, you know, we can adjust our grip based on feedback between the hand and the brain to tell what's happening when we grip an object. And based on that feedback, you know, we readjust or hold the item differently as we, you know, handle it and move it from one location to the next. And now that can be done using sensors in the end effector and feeding that information back into the robot controller so it can readjust its grip before and while making a motion based on input from, uh, you know, from the actual, uh, the sensors uh, in the end of arm tooling. And new gripper designs are also helping robots perform better. You know, for example, changeovers of tooling are becoming much, much easier. You know, this used to be a really time-consuming, labor-intensive process where workers would unbolt one tool and then bolt on another to process a different batch of goods. And that could involve switching of the robot programming for the robot to be able to recognize and operate properly with a new tool. Um, but now these end of arm tooling changes are much easier. For example, uh, Universal Robots has its UR Plus line, which uh, for making end of arm tooling changes easier. And it works with tooling from multiple suppliers as the tools have been designed to work in a plug and produce fashion with Universal Robots. And some end-of-arm tools can now be more easily adjusted to handle an array of different size products uh, without being switched over. So this is a big advance when you need to do a changeover in uh, seconds rather than hours. And the other thing that I mentioned was about the incorporation of uh, vision with cobots. Uh, and uh, to uh, mention Omron again at Pack Expo, they highlighted uh, Pack Expo Connects this year. They highlighted another good example of this with the company's incorporation of its own FH Series 3D vision system with its TM collaborative robot. And Omron developed this 3D camera to solve robotic bin picking applications so that it can guide a robot in picking known objects with random overlapping positions out of a bin. And traditionally, that had been a very difficult task to automate due to the varying weights, shapes, and orientations of the objects in the bin that require 3D location and responding different forces during the picking process. And that uh, FH Series 3D camera locates the various objects in the bin, sends the, their coordinates and positions to the robot, and then the cobot software makes the advanced calculations required for optimized trajectory of the robot arm and then the force with the end effector to pick up the objects based on input from the camera. 
And this camera can be in, integrated with a variety of robots. Uh, for example, Omron explained that the combination of the 3D camera and the collaborative robot can be assembled on top of Omron's mobile robot, like the HD 1500 that we were talking about earlier, to pick parts from a row of multiple bins and place them in another location. It almost sounds like it's it's making, or the way the technology has evolved is, is that robotics and automation are, and I don't want to use the word, but it's it's way less intimidating than it seemed a few years ago. Um, it, it's not the big, you know, industrial cages with the robot in it that you're like, it, it's almost, again, you see them even on a trade show floor or in a plant and it's like hands off, you know, this is this big intimidating, you know, highly technical uh, piece of equipment that, you know, could quote unquote hurt you if you got too close or whatever. And now it just seems like it's, it's advanced to where, like you said, with the vision technology and the sensors that it can, it can tell where humans are. It can tell where things are and, and just kind of move and adapt around us. It can pick up things of different size and shape and, and density. And that just, it, it just, it's amazing how, how quickly that window is kind of, of opened to, to possibilities. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I even uh, did it. That's, that's, wow, it's probably been five or six years ago now. Uh, but when some of the first early ease of robotic, uh, collaborative robotic programming uh, systems were coming out, I actually did an article about how easy it was to program that even a journalist could do it. I actually programmed a robot <laughs> to do it. And, and it was just by moving the arm through the paces. I mean, it was very rudimentary, obviously, you know, on a trade show floor, but just goes to show to your point exactly that it is much easier to interact with them and program them and operate them than it ever has been historically. Interesting. Okay. So, so you sort of are in and usually on the ground floor with most of this because you, you follow the industry so closely. So are there, you know, this will kind of be our last thing to wrap it up. Are there any particular things in the pipeline that, you know, our audience should be aware of that could have an impact on their operations in the next few years beyond the things you've already touched on? Well, it's actually an extension of something we were just talking about that I think is something really interesting to keep an eye on. And and that's what I'm calling, for lack of a better word, the cobotization of industrial robots. And that's where like collaborating, <laughs> you like that? Okay, we'll, we'll make, yeah, that, we'll we'll use make that word happen. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's basically where collaborative robot capabilities, like you were just talking about, are brought into high-speed, heavy payload industrial robots, the ones, you know, typically behind the cages, uh, as you were mentioning. And this is important because, you know, despite the headway cobots have made in industry, you know, their design basically relegates them to performing fairly simple, repetitive tasks that typically done by humans, you know, but the high speed, heavy lifting that's done by industrial robots remains outside the scope of most cobot designs, but that's changing with work being done by a number of companies from established companies like Mitsubishi to new startups like Veo Robotics. And uh, to give an example of what Mitsubishi is doing, they're working with startup real-time robotics to bring its technological capabilities into Mitsubishi's range of industrial robotic applications. And I should note here that Mitsubishi does not offer a specially designed cobot as they prefer to use a combination of sensor and safety technologies to ensure collaborative use of industrial robots working alongside people. And Mitsubishi says they prefer this approach so that users can still have access to the high precision capabilities of its industrial robots, but use them in cobot type applications alongside people. 
And uh, cameras used in this system detect and send information about the presence and position of people and objects in the work cell. And the motion of the robots uh, are controlled by real-time robotics motion planning software to avoid collisions with each other as they're doing performing their duties. And, of course, with people the, that may be in the work cell. And with the real-time robotic software, the robots can react to each other's presence by recognizing when collisions are possible based on positioning of the objects to be picked, as well as the positions of the robots themselves moving across that plane. And uh, this motion planning software from real-time robotics is what's referred to as robot agnostic, meaning that it can work with any type of robot, not just uh, the Mitsubishi one that they're working uh, with uh, in the demonstrations they provided so far. Uh, and the other company I mentioned, uh, Veo Robotics, they've developed a system to make industrial robots operate collaboratively as well. And that's with their FreeMove system, which is composed of four to eight cameras, sensors, and a computing platform that uses algorithms specifically built for this kind of application. And the FreeMove system, it, what it does, it uses computer vision to do a 3D analysis of the workspace to determine placement of fixed machinery, robots, and people. And then it projects all of the robot's potential positions over time in that work cell. And using the ISO 10218 robot work cell safety standard as its base, FreeMove is designed to basically ensure that robots are never a hazard to a person so that a work cell can be designed in which humans and machines can work together. And uh, Clara Vu, who's the co-founder and chief technology officer at Veo, told me that FreeMove is not just for application and for work cell safety, but it can be applied to applications through an entire line or an entire factory. So it's a, you know, it's almost like a plant wide safety system, wherever you might have any type of machine moving machinery or robots in place. And, uh, just to show how seriously this is being taken, Veo currently has relationships with ABB, FANUC, KUKA, Yaskawa, and their system is currently being used at, uh, in aerospace, automotive, household appliance, and construction equipment manufacturing sites, though none of the current end users are allowing the company to divulge their names just yet, but that's not surprising <clears throat> with a new technology. Um, but sure. the Advanced Robotics for Manufacturing Institute, which is a government-funded consortium, has made its use of the FreeMove system public. And if you're interested in seeing more about that, you can access that info at the Advanced Robotics for Manufacturing site at arminstitute.org. Fantastic. Well, this was great. And I just want to, before we sign off, say again to make sure for our listeners to head over to you know, iTunes or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts and, and make sure you smash that subscribe button for Automation World gets your questions answered uh, with David Greenfield. And I just want to thank you uh, for taking the time today to, to come on here and talk robots and automation with us, David. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was fun being on the other side of the microphone. I like this. <laughs> <laughs> Please rate, review and subscribe. To do that, go to the iTunes podcast or Spotify app on your phone and search for Unpacked with PMMI.